Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Sandy Almendares, Content Director. Hi, and welcome to a Healthy Insider Podcast. I am Sandy. On the phone, I've got Jim C. Griffiths, who is the Senior Vice President of International and Scientific Affairs for the Council for Responsible Nutrition. Hi, Jim. Hi, Sandy. It's nice to talk to you, although the topic might be a little bit concerning, but it's still nice to talk to you. <laughs> That's right. Um, we Today, we are going to talk about COVID-19, which is the respiratory disease that's caused by a novel coronavirus. This originated in Wuhan, China. And as of the time of this recording, it has reached 70 countries and infected nearly 100,000 people. And more than 3,300 people have died. And this is quite a quick moving situation. Um, But I wanted to get Jim on the phone on this podcast to talk about where we are and how this looks for supplement supply chains. Uh, Before we get started, Jim is responsible for CRN's science-based international policy and regulatory work and is the CRN staff liaison for CRN International. He has more than 30 years of experience in food safety and regulatory affairs. Prior to joining CRN, he spent five years with the United States Pharmacopeia, where he managed food and dietary supplement strategic initiatives, including those related to global food and dietary supplement alliances. He began his career as a regulatory review toxicologist at FDA's CIFSAN, the Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition. Jim, with so much of our industry having a stake in China, either through production facilities or a reliance on ingredients or raw materials, what would you say is the level of concern among CRN's members? Well, once again, I would think that high is probably um, not high enough when you talk about uh, the concern right now with our members and just the confusion and the chaos surrounding this very rapidly spreading you know, situation, even things that look like might have been normalizing a week or 10 days ago as we saw the, I think the infection rate start to plateau in China. I think there was some thought that we were coming out of the uh, the back end of this particular epidemic, but I think this past week, if nothing else has taught us that things are not what they seemed, and we are in for a roller coaster with other countries and other hot spots showing up almost by the hour. I live in uh, Maryland in suburban Washington, D.C., and as of this morning, we had our first three cases, so things changed for me dramatically overnight, and uh, I suspect is is happening in so many different areas that our members are just scrambling to understand how the short, mid, and long-term effects uh, will play out as they try and deal with their logistics and supply chain for materials. Yeah, as I'm in Arizona, and as of right now, we've had two confirmed cases, and I imagine many more to come. Um, So from your perspective, um, are CRN member companies seeing a direct impact already on their business or operations due to the outbreak? And if so, what are these practical realities that they're facing? 
Well, at the Trade Association, I'm kind of away from that front-line activity for most of our members, but I must assume that they are already seeing a direct impact, especially for key ingredients that can only come from China, and especially if they've had a um, kind of a policy of just-in-time logistics where they have not um, overly stockpiled materials uh, for, for lack of probably foresight and, and maybe other reasons. But um, coming on the tail end of the Chinese New Year, uh, we'd like to think that many of our members did anticipate that there would be um, logistical uh, choke points, you know, post Chinese New Year, such that they may have anticipated the need for materials, you know, for a, at least a, a couple of month window. And, and if that's the case, I would assume those companies maybe are less um, affected immediately. But as I said in your previous uh, question, you know, all bets are off on where uh, next and to what extent. Um, I follow daily the um, the infection rates and uh, both in China as well as the rest of the of the world and as I say right now it's a pretty small dot on India but if that were to uh, assume some of the same magnitude as we've seen in in other countries that could once again you know jeopardize a potentially secondary source of where our members are getting um, either their initial materials or their backup materials so I would probably assume that many of them are directly impacted immediately, if not on their supplies, but on where they'll get their supplies next month or you know this summer. So given all that, do you think it's time for the supplement industry to reassess its reliance on China for the supply of all of its ingredients? Um, not I all of, but many of them. <laughs> I hate to be pejorative to a single country because this particular outbreak did indeed start in China, and that, of course, is the um, the very uh, center of the epicenter of this pandemic. But if this had happened in Europe or it happened in Latin America, would we be having the same type of conversation on the types of products we get from those regions? So once again, I think it's the reliance on a single country or single region, which is probably the the issue at, at hand. And um, you know, we've come to use. China as a um, you know supplier of almost everything on in every industry, uh, but I think the you know, most recent tariff. Uh, that between the U.S. and China caused some companies to begin rethinking their um, supply chains and where they get materials. I think the um, the COVID-19 has just uh, cemented in the minds of many that there needs to be a multitude of, uh, of sources for these types of key ingredients. And whether that stimulates U.S. production or U.S. manufacturing to help supply now and going into the future or just to be a, an alternate source. You know, I have no idea, but I just think that the problem when you rely on a single um, you know, uh, area, single country for virtually everything, um, you are prone to a problem, whether it be an earthquake, whether it be um, you know, a tsunami or some other disaster. Uh, it, it just happens to be COVID-19 and just happens to be China that we're having this conversation. Right. It appears there's certainly opportunity from for some ingredient suppliers to diversify, not saying that that would be an easy thing to undertake at all, but. 
So thinking of the supplement brands and their own operations, how can they best ensure that their supply chains stay safe and stable as much as possible during this time? I think once again, as previously stated, a a mix of suppliers from you know for your key materials from um, various regions or countries would be a step in the right direction. Um, as you talked about China in the previous question, I think there needs to be you know kind of a measured stepwise fashion in exploring these alternatives. I I guess I fear that if everyone wholesale runs to Southeast Asia or India or Latin America for everything, you you kind of you know set the stage for a similar scenario in the future. And so I think there needs to be some some wisdom and some stepwise approach to how one would develop a mix of um, suppliers to to ensure the stability that we would um, would need in our industry. And I think once again, your key materials, if they can't, I think they need to be um, a, a focus of, or not be a focus of just-in-time um, supplies. I think there needs to be recognition. You may have to warehouse or stock um, sufficient um, key materials so that if there is a situation anywhere in the globe that you're not caught in this kind of a scenario with um, unable to get the things you need. So CRN was part of a coalition of trade associations that warned consumers early on um, that supplements cannot make claims to cure or to prevent COVID. Why was it important to do that? Well, hopefully you've had a chance to see that um, that that coalition um, press release we put out. I think CRN has always been consistent with the other uh, trades in taking a strong position against marketing dietary supplements for the treatment or prevention of disease, and that includes not only currently but you know anthrax and SARS and avian flu and Ebola and you know Zika and many other um, scenarios that have arisen over the last few years. Um, we're seeing um, you know once again again, an almost hour-to-hour growing concern on this particular COVID-19, and we understand that the public really is looking for opportunities to self-protect, I don't want to say self-medicate, but they're looking for what they can take to to have some uh, sense of protection. Um, I think that it's critical to remind the consumers, the retailers, and the marketers that, to our knowledge, there is no dietary supplement that can prevent or treat novel coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, and even if there were, uh, that's the realm of FDA's drug side and not uh, in the um, purview of a dietary supplement. So once again, even if a supplement were shown to have amazing benefits, I would hope that they would be in touch with uh, FDA CEDAR or the right uh, division within FDA on the drug side. And I think all of us prioritize the safety and well-being of our consumers above all else, and we want to remind everyone that we're part of a very responsible industry and we're committed to safe, high-quality products that do offer benefits, and those well-established benefits could play a role in supporting immune health, Uh, but uh, once we start going down the road of, you know, cure, mitigate, treat a disease, I think that, once again, uh, we need to... uh, recognize that that's not appropriate for our industry. Lastly, how might COVID affect FDA's ability to enforce laws such as GMPs or FSMA requirements? 
Well, hopefully this is a, I don't want to say a wake-up call, but hopefully it is a chance for FDA to focus on its uh, legally mandated activities. I know that they always have resource and priority issues, but hopefully COVID-19 will help them focus on uh, ways that they can deal with um, these type of uh, epidemics that arise. I don't know how much could have been done, you know, looking backwards uh, at this point, had FDA had a you know more rigorous role in China, especially given how this is most likely to have transmitted from you know animals to humans in that Wuhan animal market. So I don't know that um, COVID-19 would have been caught or addressed had FDA been even more aggressive than they are. But I would like to think that you know food quality and uh, you know the ability to deal with these type of infections, you know, could, if they could be resolved through GMP and, you know, coming down hard on those FISMA requirements, I would hope that that would be a, a place that FDA would put resources and energy. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jim. It's a pleasure, even though it's on a, a somber topic. Yeah, well, thank you, Sandy. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts or through Google Play. Subscribe now to never miss an episode.